Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. We're still alive. Still alive. Not because we've been right about everything, but because we serve a righteous and a faithful God. We're still alive. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in praise and worship. Thank you for reminding us that we serve an awesome God who's worthy to be praised. Bishop, somebody told me last week that they have noticed an intensity in my preaching. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, you're really kind of direct and to the point. And I said, you know, it's time for God's people to get it right. And we need to stop playing games. And we need to do what God instructs us to do, whether we want to do it or not. So my assignment here is not to please everybody. My assignment here is to please God. And if we don't please God, then we're just wasting our time. But it's time for us to understand that the world is trying to seduce us every day, all day, into darkness. But we serve a God of light and revelation. And if nobody else says amen and hallelujah and shout, I'm going to do it all by myself. Because the kind of God I serve. I know what I've been through. I know where I've been. I know what God has done. So you can sit and look sophisticated and like you got it all together all you want, but I'm still alive by the grace of God. 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 People I trusted to see me, but by the grace of God. People said they would show up and volunteer, didn't show up, but by the grace of God. Stuff that's not true, but you say, I can't worry about that by the grace of God. So I'm going to preach until God stops me. And I'm never going to apologize for telling the truth because that's why we're here. We had our annual church conference on December 4th. And while we were putting the conference together, which takes a great deal of time, I realized when we said, I said, I want to put together a list of accomplishments just for this year. And as we began, Trustee Kemp, to put the accomplishments together, and I looked at all the wonderful things that God had done, the rotation of mighty men, worshipful women, PGC praise team, community chorale, Bishop Ra, and these excellent praise and worship leaders, we had three new deacons ordained in May of 2021. Deacons conducted baptism. Deacon family groups led us into prayer, made prayer available whether we pray or not, because the Lord says that we should pray without ceasing. And we talked about the importance of prayer. We had a minister who was licensed, D. Wayne, on November 14th. Our church never closed. We were 
respectful of CDC. And, you know, we have some internal CDC watchdogs in here. So, yes, certain things you just can't do in the Lord's house. So you'll go to CDC prison is what I tell them. We had, uh, we created a caregiver's uh, connection group. Our children and youth didn't miss a beat. Our youth director, Monica uh, Dixon Perry, did an exceptional job. We had a retreat in here in October for the women. The walls are still crying out and praising God. We have never experienced anything like it before. We participated in Western Wake insecurity group, food insecurity group from March 2020 to August of 2021. Some people never showed up, but there were others who showed up every week. And they stood in the hot sun and served God's people without moaning and groaning and complaining. It was service with a smile. And then Evangelist Bridget had the nerve to set up a prayer table where you might just come by and get prayer if you need it. If you don't want prayer, then we'll give you some prayer information so that you will be encouraged to pray. And Sanaya was there and Naraya helping her. I don't know about you, when I look through all these things and when I hear stories about people who have failed, I realize that God has been good to Pleasant Grove Church. I'm going to say it again, and you ought to stand up and give God some praise because God has been good to Pleasant Grove Church. Come on, God has been good. God has been good. And I'm not ashamed to say it. God has been good. And I wanted to go on record on this day. We give all praise, honor, and glory to God. We are here not because everybody did the right thing. We are here because we serve a faithful God. And I encourage all of us to continue to believe in God. Don't believe in what you see. Believe in Almighty God. Don't believe in CBS, ABC, and NBC. You need to believe in what God has to say. Oh, I love the Lord. The old people used to sing, I love the Lord. He heard my cries. Oh, my God. Don't you remember old church bishop when we used to take time and worship the Lord? But now we're down to 50 minutes or an hour, you know, so we just got to roll it along. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we bless your name. Thank you for worship. Thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for giving us a gift, oh God, that we could not give ourselves. Thank you, God, for blessing us beyond our own imaginations. And thank you for giving us an opportunity to have relationship with your son, and to have eternal home based on your word, O oh God. I pray that your word will go forward with power and conviction. I pray, dear God, that the enemy will not have any power over us at any time. And I pray, dear God, that you will bind anything that comes against this house in the name of Jesus. Right now, we release your peace and we release your love and we seek you, oh God. But above all, dear God, we know you live here and we know that this is your residence. And we praise your holy name for the 156 years that you have cared for this church and these people. We will always, always, always give you all praise, honor, and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Today as I prayed about my final sermon of the year, I was led to Colossians because of the challenge of the Christian community to live in covenant with God's word. Does that make sense? Is that I'm discovering that sometimes if we, not sometimes, all the time, when we don't study our, on our own, we believe anything. And we believe things that are sometimes not true. And so the Lord said to me that the challenge to the Christian is to continuously exercise the commandment or requirements that God revealed via the prophet Micah. Do, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I'm finding that if we don't refuel and retool Miss Margaret at 95, she's fired up for the Lord. Lord have what a testimony. And I say to myself, if Miss Margaret can be this excited at 95, what's wrong with everybody else, Lord? Did they eat too much stuffing or did they get too many gifts? I don't know. But when you are in relationship with God, you have a clear sense of what God is doing right now. And it's not about you. Living a holy life is a requirement for all Christians, whether you accept the instructions or not. And we want to change the word and water it down. But the word of God says that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we got to stick with the Lord's word because if we do anything else, we are contrary to God's word. And what we need to understand is that the world wants us to be isolated, uninformed, and to live life on the fringe when God wants to offer us everything in his name. I am beginning to realize now that some experiences, Brother Bacon, Deacon Bacon, that I had 25, 30 years ago tied to the period I am in right now in my life. And at the time, I didn't know what God was doing. But then in my time of meditation, I realized that God allowed me to meet some crazy people who didn't know him so that when I met some more later on, I would know how to deal with it through the power of God. Paul is the author of the letter to the Colossians, and he has the authority to write an account of holy living because of his conversion and life experience. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I think you should think about your own conversion experience. If you haven't had one, then maybe you need to pray some more because unless we have a conversion experience, then we are not worth much to God. Because the conversion experience moves us from self to God, moves us from our own personal agendas to God's agenda. And Paul, after his conversion experience, was fired up for the Lord. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, which is where he obtained his name Saul, but his Roman name is Paul. He was circumcised on the eighth day in accordance with the law, and he was afforded the opportunity to be ed educated in the Greco-Roman rhetoric as well as Hebrew. So Paul was writing to the church at Colossia because he wanted them to know that you lived one life before Christ, and now you are required to live another life in Christ. And he didn't want the people to be confused. Although Paul never visited the city of Colossae, he was aware of the heretical spirit that swept the region. And Paul decided to pin these words and write to the church so the church would not be confused about what God was requiring of them. 
The Colossians' comfort with pluralism subjected them to the vulnerability in achieving solidarity and understanding and incorporating the doctrines of their new Christian faith. You see, if you don't know what you believe, then you can be easily confused. And what I have discovered is one of the great blessings of Pleasant Grove Church is that we have people from very different backgrounds. We have Episcopalians and some Methodist folk and some Southern Baptists and some regular Baptists and some American Baptists and some General Baptists. We got some Pentecostal priests and we got somebody, some people don't know where they were, but they know they were not around the Baptists. So our teaching is according to the Bible because we have to understand it's not what the Methodists or the Baptists say, it's what the Lord says. And the priority of the church is to be sure that we explain, Jason, what the Lord had to say. I know bishop is a bishop, but bishop is a bishop. Classy person is a preacher. We got to preach what the Lord says because if not, we will find ourselves in conversation with ourselves and people will be misled. Anybody ever seen anybody misled, Eddie? Anybody confused? If you're in Bible study and you're just saying what you think, then you're not in Bible study. Because Bible study is trying to understand what God is saying. And it's going back to the root meaning. And it's applying it so that you understand during that era, what was God saying? Mm -mm -mm. In verse number 12, Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. The word that grabbed me was clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Can I say that again? Colossians chapter 3, this is verse number 12, the memory verse that you need to read over and over again. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And what I thought about, where's Pastor Joseph? Is he back there? Pastor Joseph is one of the best dressed preachers I've ever seen. And I'm going to ask him to get up and walk right down here so you can see what he has on today. But the beauty of, you just never know what color his shoes will be. You don't know what color his socks are. You, you don't know. I mean, you say to yourself, you could not get that at... Burlington Coat Factory, Pastor. There was just no way. And I thought about Pastor Joseph because what we're really saying here is that for you to be dressed, I don't know who your designer is, and you don't have to tell me. I know you know all the brand names. See, I didn't grow up with brand names. I was in Alabama. We were generic. But what Paul is trying to say is that you can dress in all of this fabulous attire and you can look good. You can walk on around. Pastor, look at these shoes. They got gold. But the point I'm trying to make is that Pastor Joseph is not only dressed, and I'm sure that Deacon Colette has some say-so in this, but he's dressed on the inside. He's dressed in humility, dressed in love, dressed in kindness, dressed in gentleness. Susan, it doesn't matter if you wear Louis Vuitton or Prada. If you don't know Jesus, you're not worth much. And it's time for us to realize that we need to get dressed internally before we all get so hung up on what we look like on the outside. I really wish you'd think about this for a minute. We walk around with arrogance, not realizing that 
with no internal wiring from the Holy Ghost, there's nothing going on. And the reason Pastor Joseph pops out, because no matter where he is, he's the same. He's clothed with humility and love and prayer. And that's what God wants for all of us. So I named this sermon Dressed by the Gospel. Because if we dress by the gospel, we will be appropriately dressed for all occasions. And in verse 12, holy living entails more than a confession or conversion. It regards a change in your lifestyle. So if you're the same today as you were the day that you accepted Jesus Christ, you need to talk to the Lord. If there's been no change in your lifestyle and no change in you, then maybe you need to go back. No, maybe you need to go back. And you need to go fall on your knees again to ask God, did you get it? Because if we are holy, see, when I was growing up, being holy was a virtue that people wanted to be. Now nobody wants to be holy. They don't understand that God is holy. And when we are holy and enter into that sanctuary in that space with God, we can do work for God and save others as we witness in the power of God. How can we be saved and don't have a testimony? How can you say you've been saved 40 years and you still don't know how you got there? How do we say that we're meek and humble and when we get a chance to do something for the Lord, we have a little worldly attitude? Do you think God really cares about our attitudes? And what Paul is trying to say here in the letter to the church at Colossians, he said, get yourself right on the outside. And then the inside, I'm mean, on the inside, and then what you do on the outside will balance it out. Because we can't give what we don't have. If you're evil, you're evil. If you grumble, you grumble. If you're loving, you're loving. If you're kind, you're kind. And what I'm saying is that our lives represent who we are. And what Paul is saying to the church is that holy living is a good thing. Anybody in here want to live holy? Oh, I got six people over here. How many? Anybody want to live holy? Living a holy life means I'm open for feedback. It means that I care about other people. It means that I'm not rude and I interrupt people. It means that I exercise forgiveness because I forgive because I have been forgiven. And what the Bible says is you cannot have what you would not give. So don't sit around and tell me that you have not forgiven someone for 30 years for something they did to you and you know Jesus. That is not possible. Because the word of God says that you will be judged by the standard that you use for everybody else. Classy Preston didn't say that. The word of God says it. And that forgiveness is essential in Christian growth, fellowship, and manifestation. And what Paul is saying here, we need to let the peace of God oh, rule in your hearts to that which also you are called in one body. And by you thoughtful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. The people who went to Chatham Forest went because they were full of Jesus and compassion, not because of me. They went because of their relationship. They went because they knew that God had given us a commandment to feed those who were hungry. How can you have a freezer of food with freezer burn and there are people around us starving? Just in the school the other day, we were doing 75 bags for children who were, who were food insecure. The number dropped, I mean, uh, rose to 125. Can you imagine a child going home with no food and being food insecure? That's why I praise and thank God for the people 
who keep God alive in a world where there's negligence and no hope. Each member of the body of Christ is called to model the holiness demonstrated by Christ. In order to imitate his model, the individual must have the spirit of God residing inside of him. Moreover, the spirit of God can only dwell in the individual if that individual lives a life of holiness. Don't keep saying, it's just the way that I am. I was born this way. No, you weren't. We learned all of our behavior. You were not born cursing. You were not born lying. You were not born doing bad things. We were born and we were free. Our brain had not recorded anything yet. But from this learned behavior, we have now begun to justify our behavior and our DNA. If you ask God, God can change your DNA and give you a desire. Oh, you can do better than that. God can change your attitude. God can change your spirit. God can change the way you walk and the way you talk. And verse 17, man, they said, whatever. And that's a word that always made me struggle a little bit. Word, whatever. And I was a member of our church in California. And every time you would say something, I won't call her name. You might know her. She might be watching. Everything she said, everything you said, she said, whatever. And I just had an attitude about that word, whatever. Because it seemed like whatever is kind of neutral. Whatever you decide, what you want for dinner, whatever. What you want for Christmas, whatever. You want to go out, whatever. And it has a neutrality about it that you begin to say, well, whatever just means it doesn't matter at all. Whatever means that I haven't thought about it enough to give you an intelligent answer. So it's whatever. So I stopped using the word whatever. But Paul set me straight in this passage of scripture. Because Paul says the church must hold Christians accountable for their behavior that are compromised and encourage them in the behaviors that exemplify the virtues found in this passage of scripture. Head of households must take the responsibility of their family's religious education. It's time for us to stop allowing our children to spend all of their time with technology and not come to the Lord, don't go to Bible study, which is not virtual. It's time for us to realize if you don't claim a place, the enemy will. It's time for us to stop doing nothing when we have children who are watching pornography on the Internet. And we don't say anything about it. We don't do anything about it. It's time for us to step it up. To say that if you can do these eight things, then you can do these eight over here. And it's time for us to take ownership of where our children are. And I might get fired. I don't know. But I am never going to agree to let a child do whatever they want and say it's because they are an adult. No, 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 no. We, have, we are the adults in the room. And that's why God gave us to each other so we can say time out. I don't know about you, but I had several Adults in my life who would say, time out. And if you didn't do what they said, they would just knock you out and you would not have a choice. And so now we have become so compassionate and we've come so worldly that we say, that's okay, baby, you can work, but you don't have to give your time to the church. You can work. It's not, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you the truth. It's time for us to be accountable for what goes on, not in the Lord's house, but in your own house. 
And it's time for us to pray for our family members who are unsaved. It's time for us to pray for those we love who don't know Jesus. It's time for us to pray for those who are right around us. I'm not calling your relative sinner. I'm, I'm a sinner myself. What I'm saying, that if we are living a holy life or trying, and we are in relationship with Jesus, then we ought to be doing something about the people around us. And there ought to be some evidence that we care about where they land. So Paul said to the people, he said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then he said, Anita, be thankful. Verse 16, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. If you know something I don't know, then you need to share that with me. I don't need to waste my time on it anymore. We admonish each other when we encourage mom each other. And we know that our brother or sister is suffering and they don't get it. And we give them a word of encouragement. And then he said, teaching and admonishing with all wisdom. And as you sing songs, hymns and spiritual songs, songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And then Paul goes on in verse 17 and he says, and whatever you do, he said, and whatever you do. Mm. there's that whatever word, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord. And so other words he's saying is that if you don't do it with respect for our heavenly father, then you don't need to do it at all. If you're going to be worship leader, be like Reverend Bell, be worship leader. Get all engaged in it, whether people want you to be excited or not. If you're going to serve, you got to serve with enthusiasm and love, not based on how you feel. And he's saying that in whatever you do, whether you feed the hungry, whether you go to senior centers and drop food off, whether you read to the people who cannot read, whether you come to the church all by yourself and you sweep and you clean and you do what you can, whether you take the garbage out, whether you clean out the refrigerator, whatever you do, he said, do it in the spirit of Christ and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Many of us quit because we want earthly recognition. Do what you're supposed to do, whether nobody says thank you or not. Do what you're supposed to do, whether you get promoted or not. Do what you're supposed to do, whether anybody ever mentions it or not. Do what God has called you to do and stop waiting on the world to affirm you. Because Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you were called to peace and be thankful. We are called to peace. We don't gossip about each other. We don't talk about each other. We are called for peace. And if someone has offended you, you need to go to that person, the Bible says, and you talk to them. But don't tell 10 other people and cause confusion. And so we need to be seekers of peace ourselves. And we need to have gratitude in our hearts for what God has done for us. And whatever you do, whether you call the sick, whether you cook soup or you do nothing at all, whatever it is, do it in the name of the Lord. And do it in the name of Lord Jesus and give thanks to God, the Father, through him. 
Stop waiting on the world to affirm you, but know that when you do what you're supposed to do in the name of the Lord, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will deliver you. The Lord will raise you up. The Lord will give you the dreams and desires of your heart. And Paul was saying to the church, whatever it is, do it with enthusiasm. Don't come over here and play as if you don't want to be here. You got to play with some enthusiasm. Alice, if you're going to play the drums, play. can you do a little enthusiasm on the drums for us out? Play with some enthusiasm now. Oh, that's good. Come on. Baby. Hey, go on, Alex. Hey, all right. Hey, all right, enthusiasm. Did you feel the enthusiasm? Did you feel the enthusiasm? Oh, come on, Bishop Tim. I know you've got some enthusiasm over there for us. Whatever you do, come on. Trustee, deacon, preacher, Sunday school teacher. People say, Pastor, what are you going to do if nobody shows up for church? I said, I don't work for the people. I work for the Lord. I just happen to be assigned here. But I'm going to come here just like the Lord tells me. If I have to preach to myself and it's just being the Lord. So we got to get over ourselves. We got to realize when we make a commitment to the Lord, it ought to be visible in your own heart. And it needs to be a commitment that is so designed by God that you can do it in your sleep. But I will let nothing separate me from the love of God. And I will let nothing stop praising God because I know that God has been good to me. I am a living testimony. I don't know about you. I am a living testimony. A living testimony. And you know I'm going to ask the group to sing it again. You know why I'm a living testimony? Because just three days ago, someone was on the wrong side of the street. I could have been dead and gone. But I'm a living testimony that God watches over us when we are loyal to the Lord. I'm a living testimony that I drank Clorox when I was in Alabama because it was in a 7-Up bottle and I was supposed to die, but I'm still here because God is an awesome God. I'm a living testimony that God will deliver you from whatever it is. You just got to start praising his name. I thank you, God. We got to keep lifting up the name of Jesus and stop looking as if we've lost everything. Because as long as we have Jesus, we have a living testimony. And I'm going to ask you to sing it again until we get it. Hallelujah. What's your testimony? God ever done anything for you? Anything you want to say, thank you, Lord? Are you tired of just grumbling and complaining all the time and you're ready to say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever it is you want me to do, I wish you. The best new year. I wish you all that God has in store for you. But above all, I pray that Colossians chapter 3, that you will read verses 12 through 17 over and over again. 
And when you make your wish for the new year, I hope it's somewhere in that scripture so that God will be glorified. I love you. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.